This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, I'm excited. Today we are starting a brand new series that we're going to spend the next several weeks in called Walking with Jesus. And we're going to be taking a look at the journey of one of Jesus' closest friends, this guy named Peter, and how he and Jesus interacted in their journey. I don't know if you've ever felt like this, as you're just kind of learning more about who Jesus is, or what does it mean to actually be, quote-unquote, Christian, a follower of Jesus, and have you ever just felt like, I don't kind of measure up to what that's supposed to be? Anyone feel like that? Am I the only one? Okay, yeah. A few honest people, they're like, can we say that out loud in church? Yes, you can say that out loud in church. Here's the beautiful thing about Peter. We put him up on all our stained glass windows. This guy was just like any of us. He put his foot in his mouth all the time. Jesus had to be like, are you serious, Peter? (laughs) And yet, Jesus met Peter always where he was, called him into more, and through Peter, he caused a revolution to take place in our world. And if he can do it with him, he can do it with us. So I'm super excited about this series that we're jumping into, and Ron's going to kick us off today. So I'm going to pray us into that, and then when I say amen, just give some warm welcome love to Ron as he comes up. Does that sound good? All right, so Father, here we, want, here we are coming into this place. We want to encounter you. Thank you that we get to, to look into the stories that you've given us that show your heartbeat, that show your desires for us as people that would step into life with you. So would you empower Ron? Would you give him your words as he shares today? And would you give us ears to hear what you want to say to us today? And as I say amen, people will say we love you, Ron, by clapping. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Oh, that's Joel, our lead pastor. For those of you who are new, thank you, Joel. What a great, what a great time. And can we have some love for Pastor Darby? Was that awesome this morning? Thank you, Darby. Um, I want to say uh, a hearty welcome to all of you, especially those of you who are brand new. If this is your first time here, um, you've already figured out that uh, we don't have a program that requires you to stand up and sit down and do things uh, maybe that you wouldn't know how to do or when to do or what to say. Uh, I'm getting ready to teach us for the next few minutes, and uh, everything I say you're going to be able to understand because this is a church that's about encountering and experiencing Jesus. It's why the name of our new series is walking with Jesus. So for those of you in the audience, uh, a hearty welcome. For those of you who are viewing online, you are an integral part of our church, and we're so happy that you're here this morning. And uh, I want to encourage you. I know it's tempting when you're at home or wherever else to multitask. I want to encourage you to take uh, the next few moments and just sit whether it's in front of your TV or your telephone or your iPad or your computer, uh, to give Jesus a chance to speak into your life. This is a very important weekend for our country, 20 years ago yesterday. If you were alive then, you probably remember where you were when you got the news. Let's take just a short look at that. If you ever wondered about the brokenness of humanity, you saw it in full display on that day. 
as the World Trade Centers came crashing down and thousands of people lost their lives and thousands of families were thrown into immediate panic. There was brokenness everywhere and it is perhaps the worst that a human could treat other human beings. But on that same day, you also saw the beauty of the image of God stamped in every human being. That's what the Bible says. You and I were created in the image of God, all of us. And you saw people against all logic rush into buildings that were burning and crumbling and in danger and in some cases, maybe many cases, give their lives sacrificially. You've heard the stories of the guys on the airplane that commandeered it and took it down in Pennsylvania so it wouldn't crash um, into some other national, nationally important building. Every one of us has in our soul the image of God stamped in there. And so, the big question of life is how do I live in such a way that I don't give in to my brokenness and hurt the people around me? How can I live in a way where I can tap into the image of God stamped in my soul? And the overwhelming answer is this. It's walking with Jesus. That's what he has called us to. 48 times in the four brief documentaries of Jesus' life, 48 different times, Jesus said to the people who were standing there these two simple words. Follow me. I want you to think of a time when you were a kid and you discovered something that wowed you and you went and found a friend and what did you say to your friend? Hey, follow me. And you knew immediately that what, your, what you wanted your friend to do was you wanted your friend to go someplace that you wanted to take him or her and you wanted them to experience something that you knew they would enjoy. 48 different times as he taught, Jesus said to, his, to people who were listening, hey, follow me. I've got someplace I want to take you. I have something I want you to experience. And that brings up the question, what is it that Jesus wanted us to experience? Where is it he wants to take us? Well, as we listen to Jesus teach throughout the three and a half years of his ministry, he, he just every once in a while drops these little sound bites. And I just picked three of them out because there are tons of these sound bites throughout all of the teachings of Jesus that indicate where he wants to take us and what he wants us to experience. Take a look. Jesus said, look, I have come that you may have life. 
Now, he said that to living people. So it wasn't like he was raising the dead at the time. But he was telling them, well, you can live. Or you can actually experience life. I have come that you may have life and have it how? To the full. To the max. He said, listen, I want you to have the full measure of my joy in you. If you'll follow me, if you'll come with me, I want you to experience joy that you'll never get anywhere else. You will have the full measure of God's joy in your life. And he also said, you will do even greater things than this. You're seeing me teach people. You're watching people's lives and hearts be touched and moved. You're watching me heal people. You're seeing all these amazing things. I'm telling you this. If you will follow me, you will actually do and see greater things than these. You see, the overwhelming message of Jesus is that God is for us. He wants these amazing experiences. And when Jesus was saying, hey, come and follow me, he was principally saying these three things. I want you to go where I go. I want you to do what I do. And I want you to do it as I do it. And as we walk through the life experiences of this guy named Peter, who was one of Jesus' three closest friends, we're going to see Peter live out this going where Jesus goes, doing what Jesus does, and doing it as Jesus did it. So let's jump into the story, and the story reads like this. On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to a crowd on the shore of Lake Galilee, and a vast multitude of people was pushing to get close to Jesus to hear What's the next phrase? To hear what? The Word of God. Wow, how about that? He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge and with the fishermen nearby rinsing their nets. And I want you to pay attention to rinsing their nets because that means they were done fishing. They had worked hard. They were rinsing their nets and putting the tools away. These guys were commercial fishermen and the nets were their tools. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and said to him, let me use your boat. Now, if you haven't read any of the backstory, that seems a slight bit presumptuous, does it not? But here's the thing. Peter lived in the section of Israel called Galilee. That would be like Sonoma County to our state, okay? So he lived in Galilee, and Jesus has just been concluded several weeks of teaching in all the synagogues in Galilee. So Peter heard him, and also in the stories just preceding this story, we find out that Peter invited Jesus to his house as a guest. So Peter has some faith in Jesus, and he recognizes that this new upstart rabbi teaches amazing things, So he invites Jesus to his house, and when Jesus gets to his house, he finds out that Peter's mother-in-law is very, very sick. And Jesus walks over to the bed where she is laying there with a very high fever, 
And Jesus said, I say to you, be healed. And instantaneously her fever left and other symptoms that she had, and she got out of bed. Well, guess who is standing there? Peter, and we don't know her name, Mrs. Peter. That was her mother, right? So Jesus is not an unknown figure, and guess what happened? Word, news of that traveled, and that evening, Peter's house was Grand Central Station. As the people from the surrounding communities brought all of their sick to Peter's house, and Jesus healed every one. When Peter went to bed that night, his mind was in a whir. Can you imagine? He had seen things that day that stretched his perception of reality. Just a few days later, we pick up the story, and Jesus walks up as Peter is putting away his nets, and Jesus says, hey dude, can I use your boat? What do you think if you're Peter? I saw what you did in my house. If you would like to bless my boat, I'm all for that too. So Peter lets him, and Jesus said, now push, push off uh, distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowd. And Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished, he said to Peter, now row out into the deep water to cast your nets and you will have a great catch. Hmm. Master, Peter replied, we have just come back from fishing all night, and we didn't catch a thing. You know what that's code for? It's not a good night to fish. I want you to think with me for a minute. All the reasons that Peter didn't want to do this. First of all, it was the end of his work day, and he just put away his tools. Have you ever had somebody walk up to you at the end of your workday and you put away all your tools and they said, hey, I've got one more thing to, for you to do. Would you get all your tools back out? Are you kidding me? Can this wait till tomorrow? Yeah, this is not fun. It's not a good day for fishing. Peter has just put away all of his tools. Peter is tired and maybe a little hangry. You know what I mean? Yep. And Jesus is not only saying, get your tools back out. He's saying, oh, Peter, don't, don't, don't fish here. See that deep water way out there? How about let's go out there? Peter wanted to look at Jesus and say, are you kidding me? You know how hard it is to row all the way out there? There's no current that takes us out there. This is a lake. And you want us to go out there and you want us to mess up our tools again, way out there in the deep. And oh, by the way, do you know the biggest reason why Peter probably didn't want to do this? Who's seeing this? Some other really experienced commercial fisherman? No, it's an apprentice carpenter who's turned rabbi with no education. 
This guy's probably never fished a day in his life. But then Peter remembers something. This guy never went to medical school, and I saw him heal the whole multitude in front of my house. Huh. As far as I knew, he didn't know anything about medicine, but he did pretty good. I'm pretty sure he doesn't know much about fishing, but maybe he knows as much about fishing as he knows about medicine, and that could be good. So notice what, it, notice what happens. He says, but if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of what? Your word. In your mind, could you just circle that last phrase? Because of your word. If you and I could get to a place in life where we could do what the t-shirt Darby talked to us about said, where we could trust Jesus' word, no matter how against the odds it might seem. You see, Peter wasn't just fishing by himself. As we put together other accounts, we find out that Peter was fishing with his brother Andrew, and they had been fishing with James and John, and there were some other people in their company as well that are just called the other fishermen. These were the best commercial fishermen in all of the Sea of Galilee, and they all got skunked on the very same night. This is not a good night for fishing. And yet... Because of Jesus' word, Peter says, okay, let's go. When they had pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see such a huge catch of fish. And their nets were all ready, were ready to burst. And they waved to their business partners who were probably on the shore. They screamed and waved, bring your boat out. We got more fish than we know what to do with. And they rowed out. And they ended up completely filling both boats with fish until they began to sink. They were well above what was the usual and normal water line. Simon Peter and the other fishermen, including his fishing partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were awestruck over the miracle catch of fish. And this is when the story takes a very interesting twist. When Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. You know, Peter was convinced of two things. Peter was convinced that he was in the presence of God and he was convinced he didn't belong there. If I were to take us through all of the life of Peter, you and I would see that Peter had an identity struggle his whole life. And we'll come back to this at the very end, but here you can see it on full display. Instead of being drawn to Jesus, Peter is like, oh man, Jesus, if you knew me, if you knew my fishing words, You wouldn't want to be around me. Reminds me of the story of the little kid who wanted a bike, and his dad said, if you, if you can sell our old lawnmower, you can take the money and buy a bike. So he pushes the old lawnmower out to the curb, puts a sign on it for sale, 20 bucks. 
a pastor comes walking by and he looks at the kid and said, hey, why are you selling your lawnmower? And he said, well, my dad says that if I sell this lawnmower, I can buy a bike because we can't afford to buy a bike any other way. Well, the pastor didn't actually need a lawnmower, but being a pastor and loving people and kids, he peels out a $20 bill and he gives it to the kid and he says, can I start the lawnmower before I go? Kid said, sure. So he said, how do you start? He said, well, you pull on that cord. So the pastor pulls on it three or four times and nothing happens. And then he waits a minute and he pulls on it three or four times. And he says to the kid, oh, I can't get this thing to start. How does your dad start this thing? He said, oh, my dad says you have to cuss at it. That's how he always starts it. And the pastor says, it's been so many years since I've cussed. I can't even remember those words. And the kid said, you just keep pulling on the rope. They'll come back. <laughs> there are times in Peter's life when those words came back, where he got so frustrated and had such a struggle with his identity that those, those fishing words came back. Yeah, so he's saying, Jesus, get away from me. I don't belong with you. I want you to see how Jesus responded. Jesus answered, Peter, don't yield to your fear. We'll come back to this in just a minute. Don't yield to your fear, Simon Peter. Follow me. And from now on, you will catch men for salvation. And look what happens. After pulling their boats to shore, they left everything, and what are the last two words? Followed Jesus. Can I say to you that the greatest thing you could ever do with your life is whatever you're hanging on to that's keeping you from Jesus, to leave it and just follow him. And you will step begin to step out of the brokenness of your life and you will begin to experience the image of God stamped into your soul. So that begs a question, what kind of people does Jesus give a calling to? Well, the truth is he gives it to all of us. So maybe the better question is what kind of person actually hears the calling and responds to it? And there are actually two wonderful characteristics. Number one, those who believe him against all odds. We just went through all the reasons why Peter didn't want to go out into the deep and fish again. But in spite of all of that, he said, because of your word, we'll go. I just want to share with you, there's no easy or natural way to follow Jesus. There will be times in your life when what he asks of you and invites you into will seem to you like it's against all odds that that could ever turn out. But you have the word of Jesus on it. And the second is those who are willing to go on an adventure with him. You know, this was a huge adventure for Peter. In your Bible, in mine, it says he left everything and followed Jesus. And we all go, way to go, Peter. That's good. Well, it is good. 
But do you realize what that says about Peter? He was going to leave the career, the only career he knew. And he was about ready to become what he thought was a rabbi. Now, he used rabbi words, but not the ways rabbis used them. You think this was big for Peter? This was big for Mrs. Peter, too. How would you like to go home and tell your wife, hey, I've decided to quit fishing? What? What are we going to eat? I don't know. I'm going to be a rabbi. You didn't even go to rabbi school. How are you going to be a rabbi? Oh, you know that new guy, Jesus? I'm just going to walk behind him. That's my plan for life. Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. So wherever he goes, I'm going. Whatever he does, I'm doing. However he does it, that's how I'm going to learn how to do it. I think that was a hard sell for Mrs. Peter. Peter always worked nights. Peter was home every day with his kids. Not now. He was with Jesus all day long and was at home most nights, not all nights. All of his friends were going to become new. Everything Peter knew how to do in life no longer made any difference. It was a whole new world. He had to be on an adventure. You know, several of you have asked about Angela, and for those of you who are new, Angela was a pastor on our staff for more than 20 years, and she just recently moved to Toronto, Canada. And uh, for those of you who are not totally caught up to speed, they are living in Toronto in a neighborhood of ethnic people that are very diverse. And um, it took them more than two months to get their furniture. So for two months, they lived in hotels and Airbnbs, and they ate food that was cooked uh, by somebody else, and they didn't have any of their own furniture. And at first, they didn't even have work permits and no way to cross the border. And the border wasn't open. But the only thing that Angela and her husband, Jason, knew is that God had called them to go. And they decided, if God calls, we go. No matter where it is, no matter what it costs, no matter how much inconvenience. And you know, I was there when the call came in. And Jason and Angela said about six weeks in, we are so lonely. We don't have any friends now. Everybody we know, we left. And we've been living in hotels for six weeks. And it's nice to have a friendly server, but that's not your friend. You know, it's people who are willing to go on a great adventure that ever hear the call of Jesus. About two years in, Peter, <laughs> Peter is like, this was all exciting at the first, but this is getting tough. Notice this. Here's what Peter says. 
One day Peter questioned, hey, hey, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. Now, what then there will there be for us? That seems like a reasonable question, right? Peter's tired of sleeping where he doesn't have a bed because that's how Jesus worked. Eating food that whoever brought food that day, that's what they ate. Where are we going, Jesus? Well, today we're going to Samaria. Where are we going the next day? We're going to be here like three days. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, then where are we going? Well, we're going to Galilee. What are we going to do in Galilee? Well, we're going to go to some villages where we don't know anybody. We're going to teach and preach. Okay, good. All right. It was that way for two years. I want you to see how Jesus responds. He says to Peter, listen, everyone, friends, that includes you and me, everyone, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. There will be moments of questioning. That's okay. But there's the promise of Jesus. Now, as we close, I'm, I'm aware that oftentimes when Jesus says, follow me, we sort of hear it as you should, sort of like it's a command, follow me. And if we don't, we're in big trouble. But Jesus never postured those two words like that, ever. They were always, not you should, they were always, you can in the midst of Peter, saying, Jesus, get away from me. I don't belong with you. I can't, I can't do that. Jesus says, Peter, I know you, man. I see what's inside you. This is not you should. Peter, this is you can I'm extending to you an invitation. Hey, Peter, come, follow me. I will show you something. I want you to experience something. And here's a really important concept for you and me. With Jesus, our calling is never determined by our qualifications. Because Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He doesn't start with extraordinary people and then do extraordinary things through them. Jesus qualifies the called. He calls ordinary people and then he qualifies them to do extraordinary things. So there are three ways that we can respond to this teaching and the first is we can accept Jesus' invitation. Jesus said to whomever would listen, follow me. Come on, follow me. Come and go where I go. Come and do what I do. Come and do it as I do it. Learn how to see people the way I see them. Learn how to see in people what I see in them. Learn how to love people the way I love them. Learn how to cry over those who are broken and lost and they don't even know it. 
instead of judging them, cry over them. And when they're hurting, cry with them. Come, follow me. And friend, that invitation calls for a decision from us. This is not something you just kind of slide into by going to church. It's a decision that you make the way that Peter made it that day, where it says very simply, Peter left everything and followed Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you've never made that decision, to make that decision right here, right now. If you're at home, make it right where you are right now. Jesus is not limited to this building. He's with you. If you want to make that decision, you can, you can begin by just saying these words, and it's a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, like Peter, I know I'm a sinful person, and I don't really belong here. But you say I belong here, and you've invited me to follow you, and so I follow you now. I probably don't know any more about the life you're calling me to than Peter knew about the life you were calling him to. But I do know that what you're calling me to is the very best that you have, and it's the very best for me. So right here, right now, I choose to follow you. There's a second invitation, and that is to follow Jesus' instructions. I think it's very key that Jesus said, follow me and. Jesus, it's never just follow me, it's follow me and. And he said to Peter, follow me and from now on you will catch people for salvation. I'm wondering, for those of us who are following Jesus What's after the end for us today? There's always a next step. For some of us, it might be baptism, and we have a baptism service coming up. For some of us, it might be joining a small group, and as you heard, we're, we're signing people up for small groups today, and that could be the next step in you growing your faith. For some of us, it could be volunteering for a ministry and helping out, either greeting people or with children or working on the facility or back in the tech booth. There's all sorts of things. But here's the thing. If you feel a tug in your heart right now, whatever that tug is, that's probably your end from Jesus today. And I just want to encourage you, respond to that. Let's take a minute and you just listen. sense a tuck? Is there a relationship that Jesus is saying to you, let's go fix that? Is there someone you've hurt that Jesus is saying, let's go apologize and make that right? 
whatever he says, this is what it means to follow Jesus. And then last of all, it's important for us to receive Jesus' identity. I want you to know that Jesus has a personal identity for every one of us. And I said to you earlier that Peter struggled with identity his whole life. And we saw it in this story. You can see it many times in Peter's life. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus knew that Peter's given name was actually Simon. That's why in this story, it's, he's called Simon Peter the whole time. And, and the Hebrew word for Simon is Simeon. Okay? And Simeon in Hebrew and, and Simon mean listen or hear. In other words, Peter... You're not designed to lead. You're designed to listen. And other people will lead you. So you listen for instructions and you do what they say. And, and, and Peter had sort of been programmed around this idea that he was supposed to listen. If your parents said to you as a kid, children are to be what? Seen and not heard. Did your parents ever say that to you? Yeah, that was in Peter's name. Listen. The Roman or Greek interpretation of Simon is this, flat-nosed. It was a nickname. Hey, flat-nosed, come over here. That might have contributed to his identity crisis. What do you think? Jesus knew Simon would struggle, and so one day he said to Simon, I tell you, you are Peter. You're not Simon. You're Peter. Peter means rock. Peter, you're a rock. You're not someone who's just supposed to sit around and listen and follow instructions. Peter, you're a rock. People are going to trust in you. People are going to lean on you. People are going to find comfort in you as you learn how to follow me, and you will become a rock that, that, that people will find great comfort and hope in. Peter, you're a rock. I'm wondering, what's the identity that Jesus wants to speak into your life and mine? Can we hear it? Are we willing to exchange what our parents said about us, what the teachers said about us, what bullies have said about us, and maybe the toughest of all, what we have said about ourselves. And are we willing to just say, Jesus, would you speak a new identity into my life? so that I can step into the fullness of everything I was created to be, not limited in any way, as Jesus said to Peter, don't give in to your fears. Because if you do, you will miss what was always intended to be your identity. going to sing a song and it affirms that truth 
And I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then I want to invite you to stand and affirm this truth as you say, I am who you say I am. Jesus, thank you for teaching us such a powerful lesson through Peter's life. And right now, we are going to stand and we're going to sing a truth that you taught over and over again. That we are not who other people say we are. We are not what our accomplishments say we are. We're not what our possessions say we are. We are who you say we are. And thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.